Welcome to the podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Hello, and thank you for tuning into my podcast. I'm James Sweetman. This week's episode is the first of a two-parter. It's a topic that I know is relevant to many people. And I'm calling these episodes Help, I'm Stuck in the Wrong Career, because that's a, a question or a sentiment I hear fairly frequently. So I know it's a topic that's that's pertinent, uh, because many people say it to me, either during a one-to-one coaching session or even in general conversation, you know, when the chat turns to the sort of work I do. And over the years, I've collected a lot of material and tips and insights in this area. So to give the topic justice, as I say, I'm splitting it into two episodes. Later this week, I'll share some specific tips if you find yourself at a career crossroads. And then, of course, there'll be more next week. But I want to kick off this week with some insights I've gained from working with countless people in this area. Now, we've all had those times when we feel stuck in a rut. But we also know that there's a difference between a lack of motivation or feeling a little blah to knowing in our soul that we've spent too long in a job that no longer is right for us. You know, this feeling of wanting to make changes but unsure how to is heightened at this time of the year, at the start of the year, when another 12 months stretches out in front of us and we hope yet again that something will be different in the months ahead. There can be several underlying factors at play, different motivations for seeking change. You know, it might be that the job you're in has changed. What you're doing now is radically different to what you once did. I was reminded recently by a person I had worked with over the years whose work as a trainer, and she was a very effective trainer, had somehow transformed into a training coordinator where, as she said herself, she was spending more time booking rooms and uh, managing spreadsheets and sourcing trainers than actually doing the, the the work that she enjoyed herself. And I remember in the past as well, speaking to a client who really enjoyed web design, but then as the business grew, outsourced the web design and became more of a project manager overseeing the work of other designers. So that can be an example of how just the role changes from from what it was you started off doing. Sometimes, of course, jobs change and they have to change in response to changing markets and customer demands, you know, changes in company structure, reporting hierarchies, the personalities of managers and colleagues. You know, they can also prompt that urge to instigate change. You know, I know some people who crave change in their working lives because they feel their organization is stale, not moving with the times or are run by managers with outdated leadership styles. Equally, I also know people who struggle with the never-ending change that they're facing on a daily basis, and they seek stable ground to simply catch their breath. We would all respond to change in our own unique ways. We all have different levels of tolerance when it comes to change, especially when that change is driven by circumstances outside of our control. One factor in particular to be aware of is that there is a difference between a growing pain and the pain of self-betrayal. So I think I need to expand on this one a little. You know, sometimes we will feel challenged at work because new approaches, systems, practices are asking something new or additional from us. It might be to learn a new skill, to bring to the fore a different aspect of our personality, or as 
is often the case, you know, to be more flexible in our attitude and behavior at work. You know, it's a, it's stepping into new territory, a place where our old ingrained habits are no longer serving us. In other words, it pushes our comfort zones and there is an invitation for us to grow in the role. Of course, it's up to us whether we want to accept this invitation to evolve and grow with the role or not. You know, but it can also be the case that our emotions, you know, that sense of frustration, boredom, missing out, feeling that time is passing us by, you know, that these feelings are prompting us to acknowledge that we've outgrown the job or the organisation. If your sense of being stuck in the wrong role or career has been there for a while and you simply can't shake it, you know, you try to bury it, but it doesn't die. Well, from my experience, then, you know, it tends to be the latter. It tends to be that you've outgrown the job. You know, remember, as humans, we grow and evolve, and sometimes the environment we're in doesn't keep pace with the rate of our personal development. Of course, that's true when it comes to personal relationships as well, but perhaps that's a topic for another day. All these are some of the push factors. You know, they're strong motivational drives for change, but sometimes they can mask deeper issues, such as a lack of clarity as to what we really want or our criteria for success. Making changes based solely on push factors, you know, because you're not happy where you are, can be a bit like changing dance partners at a party that you should have left a long time ago. Then, of course, there are the pull factors as well. One to be cautious of is when approached by a headhunter. Now, I see this fairly frequently when I'm working with interviewing skills, coaching clients. They're, you know, they're excited by the lure of greener pastures and the new possibilities, but they often don't reflect deeply enough on whether the move is really right for them. It's easy to get caught up in the excitement of something new, the flattery and the ego polishing when we are in demand. The greatest, most magnetic pull factor is what I label a soul calling. You know, deep down, you know what you're meant to be doing, turning your passion into your profession, following your heart's desire. That's not always feasible in the short term. But if we keep putting off even instigating options, we'll pay a high price. You know, we will suffer a sense of self-betrayal, that sense that we've let ourselves down. Because this is one of the most difficult feelings to swallow, we tend to project it onto others. From my experience, when we feel betrayed by colleagues or managers who don't value us, who overlook us or take us for granted, it's often just a mirror reflection of how we have betrayed ourselves for too long, you know, by staying in the job that crushes our soul a little more every day. Perhaps we've tolerated circumstances or behaviours, you know, we stayed quiet when we really wanted to speak up, and sometimes we just have to acknowledge on the inside that we're drawing a line. You know, I'm saying enough, it's time to move on. As I always say, in every moment, though, we do our best. We make the best decisions we can. We do what we do to feel as good as we can. But we know, too, that perhaps over a longer time period, we have a tendency to put acceptance by others ahead of our own potential happiness. I've delivered many workshops and talks on this topic, and sometimes I phrase it taking ownership of your career. And I always open by stating clearly that, you know, you are responsible for your career and you're responsible for your career fulfillment. Whilst it's great to be part of an organization that supports your career development, you know, that's interested in you as a person and not just as a replaceable functionary in a role or a salary in a spreadsheet cell, you know, you're still responsible for your career development and career fulfillment. 
we all need to spend time working on not just in our careers, you know, staying proactive and doing our own performance appraisal, as I sometimes phrase it, you know, not just the prescriptive biannual or quarterly process, but as a tool for self-assessment that in, that incorporates a gauge on our own level of fulfillment and value satisfaction. Now, I'm going to make a prediction here. I'm going to be brave. You know, I believe that post the COVID crisis, a time when we've had to respond to circumstances outside our control, that we will seek to take control back. The pendulum will swing from being reactive to wanting to feel more proactive in our lives. Control is always preceded by choice. And when we believe we have more choices available to us, we will seek to exercise them. You know, so, for example, now that so many people work productively from home, you know, the choice is there to return to the office environment when that's feasible, you know, to continue to work from home or maybe a combination of both. In addition, COVID-19 has made us very aware of what's really important to us, health, time with family, social contact, you know, the criteria that we must satisfy to feel happy and fulfilled. More and more people are and will continue to take a more holistic view of their lives, not seeing it as work and personal life, but simply their life. And what's the point in having work and personal life balanced if there is little satisfaction in either? So that might be a long preamble. And I hear you saying, James, that's all well and good. But right now, what can I do? What should I do if I'm feeling stuck in my job or even stuck in the industry? When a client poses those sort of questions, as any good coach will say, well, there's no simple answer because there's too many variables at play. The main one being that ultimately we are the experts in being ourselves and no one outside of us can tell us what's right for us. What we can do is widen our perspective on the situation and start start asking ourselves better, more empowering questions. And that's where we're going for the rest of this week's episode. And it's also where uh, we'll start again next week. You know, as I said at the outset, I do a lot of work in this area. And whilst every client I work with is unique, you know, the same themes surface time and time again. When I work with clients, there are many words that coincidentally begin with the letter C that are helpful. And these are going to be our handrails. This week, I'm going to share four with you. In next week's episode, there'll be at least another 10. Uh, together, they'll make up a suite of tools for you to try out and practice, uh, and that would help you move forward. As I always say to my clients, there are no rights or wrongs here. It's about progression in a direction and setting your intention to enjoy the exploration. So going to kick off with the, with the, with the first maybe insight around you know, acknowledging that change is trying to take place. You know, I always say that when we feel stuck deep down, we know that our expectations as to how life could or should be is not the same as the reality as we're experiencing it. You know, and as at an extreme, this can be self-betrayal because we've abandoned those cherished dreams. At minimum, there's an aspect of our lives where we regret having compromised or conformed too much. However, if we harness even a modicum of curiosity here, this sense of disempowerment or even boredom is an invitation for reflection. And why? Well, because feeling stuck is always an indicator that some change is trying to take place. And that's, that's a sentiment to let settle. I always also want to share here just a few reminders, a few home truths, as it were. You know, your value does not de decrease based on someone else's inability to value your worth. I think that, that requires repeating. 
you know, your value does not decrease based on someone else's inability to value your worth. Equally, you know, no one will value you more than how you value yourself. There's another analogy that I always use, which is my version of maybe that old uh, analogy of a square peg in a round hole. You know, I call it the Tina Turner, Maria Callas analogy. You know, if you could sing as good as Tina Turner, but someone else is looking for an opera singer, you know, it's no reflection on your skill, talent or value. Um, and they're, they're nice things to be reminded of at a time when maybe we are lacking in self-confidence um, or unsure what to do. You know, your value does not decrease based on someone else's inability to see your worth. The second point is all about clarity. And this is often where clients come to me. You know, they'll say, I'm seeking clarity as to what's next for me. You know, what should I do? Uh, but here's a point I really want to emphasize up front. You know, clarity is not the same as certainty. Uh, so what do I mean by that? You know, we think we are seeking clarity, you know, as to what it is we want, the next step, you know, the job just for me. Uh, but that's not clarity. That's certainty. And life doesn't deal in certainties. And then deep down, we don't really want too much certainty or predictability anyway, because that would just make life boring. You know, life is about the messy exploration, the trial and error, the figuring stuff out. Uh, here's an analogy for you. What would give the artist more pleasure, looking at the finished painting or the process of creating the work of art, sleeves rolled up and face smeared with paint? You know, it's usually the latter. And it's that sentiment that I want you to bring into the contemplation of career change or career development. You know, we're hotwired as people to evolve both as individuals and as a species. And we only grow as people in forging our path through the uncertainty and the challenges. So if clarity is not certainty, well, then what is it? You know, clarity is how we see. So clarity is not what we are looking at or looking for. Clarity is how we are doing the looking. You know, when I work with clients in this area, I often use the lighthouse analogy. You know, when the lens is polished, the light shines brighter and the path ahead becomes more obvious. We adjust our view, just like adjusting the viewfinder on a pair of binoculars, and we point them in the rough direction that we want to go. So often our view is too narrow, constricted by habitual thinking, limiting beliefs, often formed by a throwaway comment by a previous boss or even a teacher many years ago. When we turn in the direction we want to go, when we turn towards the light, the shadow will always be behind us. And that's a deep one to contemplate. I better say that one again. When we turn in the direction we want to go and we turn towards the light, you know, the shadow, our shadow will always be behind us. The third angle into contemplating changes or maybe signposts when we find ourselves at a career crossroads is that of criteria of success. Or if I give you another C word, I don't know, it would be context. But it's like, how do I define success? You know, in the past, it was societal norms. There was a traditional path. You know, that old Malcolm Forbes quote of he who has the most toys wins. You know, easy to the easiest measure of career success was salary level or the number of windows you had in your office. You know, but today it's really about emotional success, enjoying the process, aligning your passion with your profession, forging your path, creating a sense of meaning from your work. 
as Brené Brown, the American researcher, author, podcaster, uh, teacher, you know, says it's it's a time when we're both the map maker and the traveler. You know, we're designing our own map, our own blueprint of success, almost as we're, you know, following it um, uh, fairly close by. You know, when asked that most powerful of coaching questions, what do I want? You know, what do you want in terms of your career or working life? People's initial responses are the big, broad ones like, well, I just want to be happy. I want job satisfaction. I want career fulfillment. But do we ever really seriously consider the criteria that we're seeking to satisfy? You know, when we apply for a job, we read the role description and then decide if it's for us. You know, but just for balance, come at this from the other side. If you are writing your own job description, what criteria would be on it? If you were designing your working life, your career, well, what would be the blueprint? You know, when working with clients in this area, another analogy I use is that of a cake. You know, the cake is your career fulfillment and you want to gorge on it. You want it to nourish you, to satisfy your appetites, everything that you're hungry for. It makes sense then to contemplate contemplate your ingredients in that cake. Uh, and these questions will help. The first one is, you know, what do I want my career or working life to do for me? So often we'll say, well, what do I want to do? And that might be useful if we're 18, 20, 22. But when we have some experience behind us, you know, we can come at it from the other side. What do I want my career or working life to do for me? Another way of looking at this is, you know, what's important to me about my career? What's important to me about my working life? Um, these questions just help broaden our perspective um, and maybe give us a little bit more insight into what we're really seeking. The last handrail I'm sharing with you this week is an important one. And it's one that if I'm working with clients in, in this area of career crossroads or career fulfillment, it's one where we spend quite an amount of time. And it's called contrast. Now, I'm old enough to remember the contrast button on a TV set. You know, you twisted it to improve the quality of the picture. So instead of clarity, uh, when we think we're looking for clarity, you know, let's pay more attention to contrast, the process of sifting through our wants, our tastes, our preferences. You know, life is always giving us contrast. And by contrast, I mean, what is it that I would like to have more of? And what is it that I would like to have less of based on my past experiences? So really, we use contrast to get clear. You know, earlier when I was speaking about clarity and adjusting the viewfinder on the binoculars, well, contrast is that adjustment, you know, a little less of this, a little more of that. The number one reason why people don't get what they want is that they don't know what they want. So that's what we're going to get the sleeves rolled up on now in a minute. But the number two reason is that they know what they want or they have a sense of it, but they don't actually believe that it's possible for them. You know, some people have compounded beliefs around work that range from, you know, my boss would always have it in for me, you know, to work is something that just has to be endured. And as we all know, beliefs determine our behavior. So if you believe something is simply not possible for you, well, then you're right. I usually counter that more blinkered thinking, you know, with the statement that, well, with vision comes provision, you know, and this is what this segment on fine tuning or using contrast enables us to do just to get a little clearer as to what it is we want, you know, and what would light us up. Now, at any brainstorming session, we have to park the how and focus on the what. 
You know, so just as most job descriptions are wish lists for the ideal candidate, you're working on your wish list, your blueprint, you know, and use your past experiences as a guide and a reference. You know, so this is time for some reflection. You know, if we start with that coaching question 101, what do I want? So just as a job description doesn't have one line on it, you know, someone to do the job well, it is far more detailed. And here we're looking for a bit more detail, too. You know, I just the headline might be, well, I want to feel satisfied at work, but we're going for the detail behind that. You know, so maybe having 10 boxes to tick is a start, you know, but brainstorm this and then maybe aim for 20. You know, what could be on your criteria wish list? So if you're thinking about your future working life, you know, what is it that you want? What is it that you want to have more of? You know, maybe it's something like, well, a supportive manager or a a modern working culture, flexible working hours, a sense of autonomy, an ability to grow in the role or a variety or um, difference or challenge with work, you know, to feel respected, to feel listened to. Maybe there's an element of travel or non-routine work involved, you know, that it's an energized working environment with motivated colleagues where you're able to make a positive contribution to society, that you feel that there's an ability to progress. Well, I don't know. We must have have at least 10 there straight away. We can come at this from the other side too. So what is it that I don't want or what is it that I want less of going forward? And this is where we can harness our perhaps past frustrations uh, to fine-tune our desires You know, so for example, if you don't want to be micromanaged, because maybe you've experienced that and you know it's not for you, well, perhaps you want freedom to shape your working day, you know, or if you don't want to be in an environment that's stifled with bureaucracy and office politics, perhaps you're looking for an organization that's more dynamic, open, honest and transparent. You know, so hopefully this has given you a little bit of an idea as to what's possible with this brainstorming all under the umbrella of contrast. So if I go back to that cake analogy, what you're really doing is identifying ingredients that based on past experiences, the cake should have eaten in the past, if I keep that analogy going, you know, where where you believe, you know, uh, the criteria that you believe needs to be present for you to feel nourished and fulfilled at work. So there's been a lot of content in this week's episode. And as I say, more to come next week. A little recap on some of those practical tips towards the end that I shared with you. Um, uh, The first one is acknowledging that if I'm feeling a little bit stuck in a rut, uh, a little bit uneasy, uh, some itchy feet, as it were, you know, to acknowledge that some change is trying to take place. Um, oftentimes when we think we're looking for clarity, remember clarity is not certainty. Clarity is how we're, we're doing the viewing. Uh, then there was the piece around defining success, you know, looking at career success, fulfillment from a higher perspective. It's almost like, what's my North Star here? What am I really looking for? Because success, as I said, is more than just, you know, a salary or financial reward. There's other elements to it as well, not least of which is emotional success or fulfillment. And then that last section on contrast, using contrast to gain clarity. Um, what is it that I want more of and what is it that I want less of? So next week, we'll continue with this topic and there'll be at least another 10 or so angles and insights to help you progress if you're feeling stuck, you know, when it comes to your job or career. 
So if you know anyone who finds themselves at a career crossroads in career transition between jobs, you know, perhaps they'll find this podcast helpful and you could bring it to their attention. You know, if you enjoyed it, perhaps give me a star rating or post a comment. Um, I always love to receive them because it encourages me to keep going with these weekly episodes. So I hope you found this week's episode of benefit and have taken away some uh, nuggets of wisdom. Um, Also, to let you know that my website, jamesweekman.com, has recently been updated. It hasn't been a major overhaul, but just a little bit of a refresh, a little bit of a touch up, um, not least of which the podcast is now accessible, both from the homepage and from a separate uh, tag. And there's a few little additions in there as well. So be sure to check that out if you haven't been on it in a while. And of course, through the website, there's also an opportunity to join the community which is my own particular network that uh, where you receive my monthly newsletter, uh, Next Steps, uh, and get details of the different events or workshops that I'm running. So thank you as ever for tuning in, and until next week.